Welcome to the Rally Podcast. I'm Josh Vaughn. I am Caitlin Noel-Nick, and I am the guest co-host for this episode. At Rally, we're all about cultivating community through creativity. In this podcast series, we explore creative communities and the communal landscapes they foster. Today, we come to you from the Paseo Arts and Creativity Center, located in the heart of the Paseo Arts District in Oklahoma City. We would like to thank the Paseo Arts Association for having us. Our guest today is current Lively Beerworks Haproom artist, Teresa Holtberg. Teresa is a program manager for the Paseo Arts Association, a leading member of our group and an active printmaker and painter. Welcome to the podcast, Teresa. We're so glad to have you and we're so glad you can share your time with us. Let's jump right in and begin to talk about your art. Describe for the audience your expression and what can we expect when accounting your art? Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, As far as my art goes, the expression of my art and kind of what the people who come to this show will experience is, I think, a really unique form, one that I haven't displayed in a long time, like a long time, like 10 years, maybe. Cool. <laughs> and so the art that I've made for the show is is a way for me to express kind of the emotions and the mystery of landscape. I think it's really important for me to clarify the landscape part because I think that when people hear landscape, their brain automatically goes to a certain place of realism mm, yeah. and um, traditionalism yeah. and that very sort of naturally colored way of representing it. And so I want to let people know that it, this is going to be a very unique experience with the landscape. I'm really interested in expressing the mystery that you'll kind of experience if you are in a specific landscape or even like the emotions that you might have while you're in it. So it's more so about like the experience and a way to represent it in a way that gives you a moment of peace kind of. Oh, cool. And so a lot of the work that I'm creating is kind of going back to my roots in art college. It's all going to be printmaking. Cool. And so I was really excited when you were like, hey, like, do you want to do a printmaking show? I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, yeah, that would be really <laughs> nice. Um, because that's something that I did a lot of in college. And after I graduated, I just kind of took a hiatus from it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do it, actually. Um, don't tell my professor, but I had kind <laughs> of a like a love-hate relationship with it. Interesting. And so coming back to it has actually been really fun. There's a lot of like mark making and line work that I've been doing in it um, in the linoleum blocks that I'm carving that I think is bringing kind of life back into the landscapes for me. Your art is so expressive. Yes. In I think printmaking really, I can see your hand in it. And I think it's so, it, it's so, it feels so freeing mm-hmm. and handmade and like that rawness to it. Yeah. Like, I like how you say rawness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's why I like it too. <laughs> because I think it's, printmaking is very, um, like you can't, you can't really do it too quickly. Right. You have to be intentional about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very intentional. You have to think about the steps you're going to take. You have to like plan out your composition and then flip it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So um, that's kind of something that has also helped me kind of bring out stronger compositions of work versus in my painting, because I'm really thinking about how exactly it's going to look whenever I pull the print. 
mm-hmm. and how permanent it is. Mm-hmm. So carving onto something like linoleum, you can't like erase it. Right. My question is, since you are flipping it, mm-hmm. does sometimes the after you've composed it and you've carved it and you and you make the print, it's actually different than what you intended it to be in a good or bad way? I mean, does that surprise you sometimes? It does. It does. Yeah. I've had prints where I'm like, oh, dang it. I forgot to flip it before I drew and carved and spent hours and hours getting <laughs> it ready to print. And then other ones, I like intentionally like did it in more of a like a organic way where I'm like, well, either way, I think it would look good. Mm-hmm. And then once I print it, I'm like, oh, yeah, it does look good. Yeah, okay, cool. cool. Like I did the right thing. So it's like a very, very intimate process. And so I'm hoping that you know, that rawness that Caitlin mentioned and the expression within the landscapes of just uh, my own mark making and storytelling is very like interesting and sparks curiosity in people's. Yeah. And I think, I think it does. And that also brings me to my next question is kind of what is your creative process and where do you draw the inspiration for these expressive works that you're creating? So it's really a variety of things. And I've kind of, before coming in, talking to you guys, I, I spent some time thinking about it too. It's something that has slowly grown over the years of me getting to know myself. It's a combination of almost like psychology or like mental health experiences or ideas. And then like my physical experience and like what I enjoy doing as a person. That's cool. And so I do get inspiration from, you know, poetry and music and sometimes like a little bit of light philosophy. So like with the the reading and poetry and things like that, that I draw inspiration from. So one of them, of course, is Mary Oliver, who does a lot of essays and poetry where she really has a really strong understanding of the wildness of nature. And so I always get inspiration from that, but also with the kind of the foundation and the solidness of mountains and rocks, I'm always sort of inspired by stoicism, which sounds like semi-culty, but <laughs> it's it's more so about the reactivity to things that occur mm-hmm. um, and life itself and kind of going with the flow, kind of like the bird that's repeated through my landscapes. And so I've been kind of reading a few books on that, and there's this one quote that I just really connected with. Um, it's by Marcus Aurelius. I just feel like very historical saying that name. But it's, time is like a river made up of the events which happen, and a violent stream. For as soon as a thing has been seen, it is carried away, and another comes in its place, and this will be carried away too. That's great. So I like to kind of think of that and think of how I can freeze it so you can just enjoy it for a few moments. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Be mindful. Mm-hmm. Mm. But it's it's more so about your relation to something like a mountain or a mm-hmm. rock or the earth. Um, and it's not in a way where it's aimed at a certain like message or any political messages at all. It's more so like emotional Mm-hmm. So to me, a lot of the things I hear when people see my work is like stillness mm-hmm. is a word that I keep thinking of mm-hmm. because it's like this moment with this landscape and it's kind of like dreamlike in a way. Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly what I 
get inspired by is having those almost spiritual experiences and moments of calmness and stillness and seeing that these rocks and mountains have been here for thousands of years. They have experienced all of these natural forces and they're still there. They might look slightly different. They might have less trees around them. They might be a little warmer, (laughs) Um, but they're still there. And there's just this very quiet, strong presence to it. And I think that not only is that something that I personally strive for as just a, a person, but it's also something that I see as like a real strength to have if you were to imagine a person going through those things. So one thing that I really like to include in my work because I do find a lot of inspiration from it is we're finding a way to represent time mm-hmm. um, in the landscape. And one of the ways that I found to do that is not just in that stillness that people notice, but in the other thing that they often question and they're very curious about. They're like, what are those things in the sky? Are those <laughs> birds? <laughs> what is that? And I always love that question because to me it's like funny because of the backstory and also because to me it's just one bird. Mm-hmm. I get that vibe because mm-hmm. it has that like sort of flick, like fl- flickering like stop motion mm-hmm. movement to it because when you said stillness I was like that does not it lands but it doesn't because I get a sense of movement and motion happening. Yeah. Wow. Yeah it's like like I want it to be a way to kind of show that stillness. It's so hard to explain, but it's like, imagine you're standing or you're like you're floating above a waterfall. You're still and you're looking around you and what do you see? Most of the time, if you're outside, you're going to see a bird right, circling around a cliff, chilling on the air. And the longer you stay there, the further it goes, the different lines and places it goes. And so whenever I put that into my printmaking or even my painting, that's like how long it takes to like look at the piece kind of, or how long that person stayed in the landscape or how long I thought of the landscape. Mm. And so that single bird repeats throughout the entire sky. And it might even in the ones where I have rock formations that just are floating in space, like it might be circling around those falling rocks. And so that's a way for me to also play with time and show that like these rocks really are like floating and yeah. frozen. They're not like being shot out in different directions. Right. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah. So the movement and the time passing too, it also draws from my process. I think that a lot of artists in general are probably, you know, inspired by music as well. Um I think having such an emotional connection to art as an artist is just kind of natural. Um, But I think of it in a kind of a weird way that kind of helps me create my compositions. And there there are certain artists that I listen to, and I think it's really fun that we're doing the podcast right here. Mm -hmm. Because one of the artists I listen to is Feist. And this Michi Susan piece oh, behind yeah. us says yeah, you we can't go wrong it. with we any Feist this. song. That's awesome. How perfect. I yeah. know. Oh my gosh, meant to be. I know. <laughs> I had a moment when we pulled that out of the like plastic uh-huh. it was wrapped in. I was like, oh my God. 
<laughs> That's awesome. So, Teresa, could you tell us a bit more about your process as a painter yeah. and printmaker? Yeah. So really with the process of creating my work, I like to go out and and do sketches kind of outdoors. A lot of um, the, the ideas that I get are usually, you know, when I come back from that, I think going out and kind of finding references in nature is really important to me. But then coming back and kind of changing them up in a way that kind of makes sense and inspires me a little bit more and makes it kind of like a combination of real life and dreams. Hmm. So a lot of times I'll take a reference photo and then when I come back to the studio, I'll take like a single element out of that and sketch it out and then create like a whole new composition with just that tiny piece. So that could be like a boulder that's crumbling and the way it crumbles. Mm -hmm. It could be the silhouette of a cliff or a mountain. And then I'll take that single thing and then kind of expand it just with my imagination. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. What resources are there locally for printmakers here? Well, there's a few. There's one main one that I really like to promote. Um, I'm a past studio member there, and it's a really great environment to work in. It's Art Space at Untitled, uh, which is over in the Deep Deuce neighborhood. Uh, it has a full print studio. They have uh, multiple printing presses. They've got all kinds of material resources and a lot of really experienced printmakers that are working there to help you. And having a studio membership there, I think, is something that is really helpful to people that need like a long-term solution. As printmakers, I think one thing that is super important is that printing press. And right. I luckily figured out a way to print from home <laughs> because I'm super introverted and also just wanted a simplified process. Artspace at Untitled has, you know, things for people who might like to do etching or might like to do intaglio or maybe eventually lithography, the like oldest and most archaic form <laughs> <laughs> and the most complicated. That's cool. So I think that's a really um, great resource, but they are, you know, kind of rare. So finding a way to make printmaking work for you is, is super important. Yeah, I saw your work that you did that you created for the Steamroller Festival this last year. Was that your first time participating in Steamroller? What was the experience like for you? That was my second time, mm -hmm. um, but it has been a very long time since I've participated in my first one. Yeah. So the first one I did was in um, back in when I lived in Norman. So it was right after I graduated college, and then this was my second time. So it was kind of nice to come back to it and kind of like be reminded of that like printmaking culture kind of. And so I did a two foot by four foot block this time. Mm -hmm. And it's um, huge. just, I think it's just a, such a beast to carve. It's like a very physical process because you have these metal tools and you're carving in the wood and like, you've got to like make it precise, but you also have to like put your muscle into it. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty fun. It's definitely not for the faint of heart especially at that scale. But once you complete it, you drop it off and then you show up at Steamroller. It's just like a giant print party and mm -hmm. everybody's covered in ink. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like really cool. And there's a steamroller. It's <laughs> a literal steamroller. <laughs> yeah. Like a giant blown up printing press just on the street. Yeah. It's one of my favorite arts festivals that we have here in the city. <laughs> so I love it going and seeing it every year. I love your works because many of them hint at something unseen, that something's reverberating from just beyond our physical senses. Is that something you experience 
and nature that you're trying to communicate or these metaphors of unseen forces inside yourself? Can you just elaborate just a bit more about this common thread and, and where does this thread originate for you? Mm. So I think with the unseen forces, it's, it's really a combination of those two things. So it's the emotional relationship with the landscape and the physical experience of wind and sound and how that affects your experience in the landscape and how it affects the landscape itself, how it affects that single bird through the sky. Right. Um, and how the unseen forces are a way to represent, it's like a metaphor to me on like the control that you have over what you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Wind is like this strange obsession that I've had for the past like three years. And I think it's just because it's literally invisible. It's what is in our atmosphere, like the air pressure, and it comes out of nowhere. Especially in Oklahoma. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a couple of things that I have in my pieces just make me laugh, like the embodiment of wind because it's Oklahoma. And then the bird. And the bird too, like experiencing the wind and just kind of going with the flow, Mm. um, I think is something that's really important to that too, because that's kind of like where I would aim to be is to kind of just experience life as it comes and see what it teaches you, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's good. And and something like there's a funny story with the wind. I don't know if you were going to. With the obsession with the wind, a lot of my friends on social media probably have seen it. But there's this quote that I really connected with and that kind of relates to my work and inspires it. I think about it like literally every day in Oklahoma that we have super strong wind. And it came from this book that I got at a library a while back that was just a a diary compilation that somebody had repurposed into a book. There was a single diary entry, and the only thing that was written was this quote, and it said, terrible windy, everything loose is traveling. (laughs) And so I just like... When I read that on the page, I was just like, heck yeah. Yeah, it's my daily experience. (laughs) That makes sense to me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it's also like, to me, like the stillness and the solid um, foundation of the like rocks and mountains in my pieces and those line works, the line work and the wind blowing over it. It's like, there's nothing really um, left that's blowing around. It's just the foundations that are there. And whatever's loose doesn't matter. Right. It's gone. It's good. What is your origin story as Teresa, the artist? At like what point did you decide this was your path? Uh, I would say that I decided that in high school. Um, that's kind of where I first realized it's what I love to do. And that if I didn't do it, I'd be really sad. Oh. And it's just a weird time when I think back about it because... When I think back to it, I was going to a high school that was based in science and technology. I wore a gray and black and khaki outfit, which <laughs> I don't know if it's ironically or hilariously. is it, That's what I wear now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyways, it's, it's your pretty uniform boring. now. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so it was a very like um, buttoned up kind of school. And I took art class there. And I honestly think that was one of my very first art classes. Mm. I don't remember art in middle school. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember drawing much when I was a kid. Maybe playing with crayons and sidewalk chalk. Mm-hmm. But like legit, like getting real into it, I don't really remember that. Um, and so in high school, I had this art teacher and he for the first year, like I pretty much did the normal curriculum. And then I just got like really excited about it. And I was the quiet kid. Mm-hmm. So like he f- he like noticed <laughs> he was like, mm, she seems a little high energy for normal. And so what he did was he said, you can go paint in the back room. And do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. As long as you finish a project, you I'll grade it. And I'm I'm not gonna tell you what to do. That's great though. And so that's when I was like, okay, cool. Like I wanna figure out how to do this. What else can I do besides mm-hmm. painting and drawing? I'm gonna go to art school. That's crazy. Wow. He that unlocked so much for you. Mm-hmm. That high school art class. Wow. Yeah. And the funny thing is, he said, Don't go to art school. That's funny. So you're like, do the artist thing, said, go to artist uh-huh. school. You tell me no, I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I did. I met him. You I, did at Norman Music Festival. <laughs> we were watching Japanese this. breakfast. <laughs> That's so funny. That was him. Wow. Yeah. That's funny. So, do you see that person as like? Do you see him as someone who pushed you or held you back? Hmm. I pushed me. Pushed you intentionally. It's so so weird. I think so. Okay. He was like being sneaky about it. (laughs) I think he is just, he was just inherently rebellious against school because of his experience. Oh yeah. Which is like, I mean, normal. Right. It's got to happen sometime. I mean, I have certain reservations after being out as well. Right. So yeah. And I, on the flip side of that is like, I never, I would love to go back and learn the stuff I didn't learn, but mm. at the same mm-hmm. time, here I am, 20 years been doing something I've trained myself to do, mm-hmm. and in my spare time, I do art that I trained myself to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I appreciate both. Yeah. And on, on this side, I'm like, man, I would, I'd love to go back and take like some art history courses or even take like a solid photography program to see what little things I'm missing or whatever uh, in, but at the same time, mm-hmm. we're just like, I ain't got no time for that. I would look at art centers like yeah. Anderson Ranch. Right. Um, there's quite a few that are, I think are perfect for people like us, like yeah. who are like ready. Like I want to learn more, but like not commit to a school program. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Teresa and I actually got really close through working at OU together. That's mm-hmm. great. Um, in the art school. So was, <laughs> we do have some opinions about We have that. history. I w- yeah, I would say that is probably one of the biggest benefits that you get from that is mm-hmm. the camaraderie, the people that you build relationships with. Mm-hmm. It's just like the art to sync thing is mm-hmm. I remember some of the things I use, some of the things they taught us, but the big thing that become the most beneficial to me over the whole thing was just the people I met. Mm. And so, so true. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with us being recent grads, like, yeah. um, you're kind of in like a whole new world <laughs> at that point. And it was like a lifelink was to like, no, Teresa was like right. here with me. Like, yeah. Yeah, this brings us to an interesting part of our conversation because I'd like to talk a little bit about Art Group, of which Teresa is a founding member and a current member. And then my wonderful co-host, Caitlin, was a co-founder with Virginia Sites. Caitlin, can you give us a brief behind the scenes of what Art Group is, how it became about? During that period when Teresa and I worked together, like Virginia was still a student, Virginia Sites, and she was just graduating and she was like, 
I really don't know what, you know, like my next steps are. I would love a community. And we were sitting like literally at my office desk, <laughs> like in the art school. And I was like, we should start one. And Teresa was like, right there with us, like at the art school. So we just thought about like our immediate people in our community who would benefit from this group that we wanted to start. And so it started as like a potluck at my house, at my house. And Teresa came and never stopped coming. And she was so <laughs> engaged and like we, so it just kept growing. And so soon Virginie and I built a leadership team and Teresa was like easily on the leadership team. Right. And it made so much sense. And she just took on, she took on social media and grew from there and so she's like like a founding member i would say like with major roles in the development that's great yeah. i love stories like this especially because i started basically they started around table with food and friends yeah and that's the the best thing start that way i mean that's great it was so fun and it was so needed mm -hmm. yeah answered a real need mm -hmm. and now it's an 80 70 member group yes yeah, that's crazy yeah wow with yeah, so it's almost five years. It's five years old. This that's crazy. Fall. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> we were all like in our early twenties like, yeah. when we started this. So yeah, cheers to that. Back in the day, Teresa, can you share with us your experience with Art Group? What is Art Group to you, and what's your favorite part? So my experience was just to start off life changing. I remember the very first meeting and how pumped I was and how at home I felt. I mean, it was literally in a home and Caitlin's <laughs> home with John and everything. And it was great because I was friends with them. And then all of these artists that I'd never met before were there. And I like a couple of them, I'd like heard about them or I've like seen their work, but I never really got to know them. And so I was just hooked like immediately. I was at a point in my art that I was feeling like I needed something to like boost my morale or give me somebody, give me some advice on like what you think about this piece or do you think I'm going in the right direction? There's just a lot of questions and a lot of solitude where I was not getting the answers to those questions. And so my experience with it is that it just opened up at this huge garage door for me. It opened it up and then there's this garage full of people like me who have been working in their studios by themselves. Maybe they just graduated art school, just like me, or maybe they just figured it out that they like to paint. And they're just looking for people to talk to about it and to support them and to motivate them. And when Caitlin asked me to be on leadership and help run social media, I was like immediately, yes. Mm -hmm. That's all I ever wanted because <laughs> I mean, we did, we did meet at a time where we were both doing administrative jobs for an arts college and I was very hungry at that point. And I think that's a word that's really important to art group mm. is being hungry for that community and for that opportunity to learn about yourself and other people like you and, and to share your art and it just like felt so natural and so exciting. And I think it came at a time, even though it was five years ago, it feels like not that far away from right now. And I think it came at a time where 
a lot of change was about to happen. And there were a lot of people that wanted that too. And thinking back over the past five years, I think a lot of the things that we talked about, maybe not all, but a lot of them that we talked about needing like a place to have a show, maybe a place that wasn't expensive or an alternative gallery space, wanting to have studio visits and to have discussions about art or wanting to have a group of friends that are also artists that you could go to an art show with. And I think those needs have multiple avenues now. I think there's several arts organizations that have offerings that have maybe increased or have offered additional opportunities like grants and things like that to emerging artists. So I think that that's a really positive change that I noticed that we needed right at the beginning of our group. But with our group, for me personally, it's probably the only reason I'm still making art right now. Mm, that's good. <laughs> I just got chills. <laughs> like I, I, I <laughs> think powerful. I've told like a couple people that before and and before and like now I'm pretty calm, but back then I would like get emotional about it because after art school, I was going through like a very personal crisis and processing a lot of grief and not feeling motivated at all. So having that boost and that excitement and that new opportunity like really got me going. And I look at the art that I created for my very first studio visit versus like the prints that I have for this show. It's so different. Like it has similar elements, but it's more me, mm. I think. That's good. It's very good. So art group is just this really close-knit community. I think with 70 members now even, it feels like, oh gosh, that's too many. <laughs> <laughs> but still but close it's knit. still close-knit, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. There's so many, like, so many different artists working in different mediums and they just naturally, like, kind of connect with each other without us really doing much. And I think that that's one thing that our group really offers is that like safe space to just chill and talk about art. Yeah, I would say it's life giving, mm -hmm. especially at that point, like especially when we started it mm -hmm. um, for so many people. How can people join our group? Is there going to be an opportunity to apply coming up soon? And how would one do so? So I would say by the end of the year, we'll probably have an opportunity to apply. People can get involved with us um, prior to application, though. So one of our, our standalone really monthly event that we have just so that we have a regular time to get together is what we call a drink and draw. That's open to friends of members or artists who just want to get involved. And so that's a really great time to kind of like test the waters out and say like, oh, these are the people that are like involved in the group. Like, do I think this is going to be a good fit for me and that kind of thing. So I highly, highly encourage reaching out to us on social media, letting us know that you want to go to one and we'll send you when the next one is. So that's the first step. And then, of course, when applications do open, of course, it's going to be a little bit before we do that. Like we said, we have 70 members right now. And so before we do an application period, we always like to kind of go through our current member base, make sure everybody's good to go, see if anybody needs to leave the group or they feel comfortable staying for another like year or two, just because we don't want our numbers to get too high. 
And that's one thing that like we've realized in the past few years of all that growth that happened felt like so quickly is that what makes our group special is that it is so close knit. It's intimate. Many arts organizations have member bases, and I think I've heard from a couple different directors that activating the members and getting them to know each other is the biggest、mm. obstacle.、Right. And so we love to have new emerging artists join art group, but we do have our limits. And so I I think that this next period will probably recalibrate a little, and then have maybe a certain quantity of people that will accept. Teresa, what is Art Group's handle on Instagram if someone wants to reach out? So Art Group's Instagram handle is at a r t g r p o k c, and we like to pronounce that Art Group. <laughs> art Group. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone has done anything with the Paseo Arts Association recently, I'm sure you've met Teresa. She is their program manager, their boots on the ground, gets stuff done person. What has your experience as program manager been like? It's been really interesting. <laughs> <laughs>、um, I I feel like I have experienced so many different things in the past year,、um, and learned how to manage the arts administration job in a different way than I thought I would.、Um, so it's definitely something that. You know, doing social media and organizing things for art group gave me a kind of a leg up on. I'm learning how to do the administrative side alongside artists and plan events and things like that. But I think working at the Paseo Arts Association is just that exploded. Having two gallery spaces to manage on a monthly basis and having rotating exhibitions, I think, is what surprised me the most. Yeah, that's huge. And what it's it's what excites me the most,、mm-hmm. I think, too. And I never really thought of it having that big of an impact on me, but I really like seeing not only how the artists feel when they display their work, but although the public that comes in throughout the week just randomly and how they react to it, it's really interesting. That's cool. And it's it's really been kind of a dream job. I I hate to say that, but it really is. It's something that I. Been wanting to do for a long time, and it is a little bit different than I imagined. The exhaustion of <laughs> planning a three-day art festival and then working it fourteen hours in a every day in a row、mm. um, is something that I did not have any idea what it would feel like, and it's also something that I didn't really realize. How it impacts the artists who are there.、Mm-hmm. I've done market events and things like that, but there are artists that literally pay the bills by going to arts festivals. No, I didn't really know that existed. They'll travel around the entire country、yeah. and just do festivals. Lucky、They're、bastards! Car- yeah, it's like a career. It's a career. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, never in my life did I think people would actually like want to do that. Right. <laughs> but,、um, but even like the, I know the arts festival here. I mean, the artists make. A、mm-hmm. ton of money off of this festival、mm-hmm. in general, yeah. yeah. And and being in the Paseo Arts District too has been really interesting for me. You know, I've had the OU Art School experience.、Mm-hmm. I've had the art group experience, and a lot of that is with the younger generation of artists. And the Paseo Arts District, of course, is like the oldest arts district around. It's been here forever. And there are all of these older generations of artists that I just never met. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been to gallery walks before I worked here. I think I met Sue Moss Sullivan for the <laughs> first time with Chandler one time. Mm-hmm. And I remembered her specifically. And so it's really nice to get to work with her. Um, nobody, but f- nobody forgets Sue. Nobody. She's an she's an icon yes. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and, a, and a feisty one at that. So she's a powerful lady. Yeah, she's fun. I love I love <laughs> Sue. So I think meeting the older generation and kind of hearing their story has been really interesting to me and eye opening, um, and it, it gives me ideas of things that. I like about the creative community and it gives me ideas about things on how the different generations of artists could collaborate more or try to understand each other more. Yeah. Hmm. That's something I haven't thought about. That's a great, yeah. it's a great idea. And it's so important. And I don't think people realize how important it is. It's almost like a key to like a barrier. Mm-hmm. Yep. A big barrier. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's so much that can be learned from each other by mm-hmm. both. It's like the the younger generation has so much to learn from the older generation, but vice versa too. And mm-hmm. there's also a lot of things that each could provide each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just even having, I believe, even having that a relationship with someone who's not in your generation is very eye opening and v- super valuable. And yeah. but it's, it's not something that you necessarily see a lot of anymore. Either mm-hmm. way, it's usually we're siloed as with our generation or nearby it or. Or, you know, someone who's, you know, like us and, and near our age, or we just really don't have a deeper relationship. with. Mm -hmm. I think we're, we're, I think we're hurting for it too. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. I think sometimes there's like an illusion of a barrier. Like I've met people that, I mean, like Sue, that like really embrace the younger generation and want to understand it. And then with the younger generation, I think sometimes they have the illusion that the older generations don't want to hear their right. story. They're not valued. And yeah. and that's not true in all cases. Mm-mm. But yeah, I think like bridging that gap that's been created is something that could definitely elevate the Oklahoma City art community even more than it you know yeah. has been in the past few years. I think there's so many opportunities and all these different buckets you can draw from. Yeah. But what if we just dumped them all out on the floor? That's great. Yeah. <laughs> So what type of opportunities does the Paseo Arts Association offer and how can people get involved? So there's a few different ways. Um, Of course, we do have a membership for the Paseo Arts Association. Um, It has different levels. So based on how much you'd like to pay annually with membership, you do get discounts on entry fees to juried exhibitions. Uh, You get two free hours in our photography studio, access to all of our equipment camera you don't have to bring anything with you so that's one of our um, most common I think opportunities that people take advantage of Um, and then also the Paseo Arts Association now has our new facility here that we're in so the Paseo Arts and Creativity Center having two galleries that rotate monthly I think provides a really great opportunity just for artists to display their work so I think the quantity of galleries that we have in the city can somewhat feel a little bit limited I know Even on our street, we have ones that are co-op, so they will display work by their close member base or it's owned by a person, they display their own work. And so having this space that has five juried exhibitions, but the rest of the months that are open, there's so many. I mean, there's like Mm -hmm. 20 other shows. Yeah. Um, And so I think that that is something that I'd really love to promote because, you know, there's a way you can split it up between friends. Like we do have a rental fee for the gallery, but 
if, for example, our group were to apply to have a show, the cost would be really minimal per person. And so I think that that's a really great new addition that we have. And then, of course, we have our annual programs that we do. One that's upcoming that I'm really excited about is Feast. And I'm sure Josh Mm -hmm. knows a lot about that. But it's a micro-granting program for artists. Mm -hmm. Um, So any opportunity to provide funding for an artist project, I'm 100% down. Mm. So I'm really excited to experience my first one this year. And then, of course, we have studios in our building. Right now we're at capacity, but there will be some changes this summer. Um, And so that is an opportunity for artists to, of course, have their own studio space outside of their home at an affordable rate, but also be able to display their work Monday through Friday, really Monday through Saturday, in a a gallery setting and not even have to be there. So staff is here. We can sell your work. We can show people your studio and you don't even have to do anything. So that's a really great thing that we offer. And then, of course, we'll have the Paseo Arts Festival every year as our annual fundraiser. Mm -hmm. My first access to the Paseo ever was, of course, First Fridays. There's Mm -hmm. always First Fridays, Paseo opens up and people are able to come and go and and every everybody's open, everybody's having a party, and it's it's just a great place for the entire community. But it's also a great place to, to check out the, the center here. Yeah, and that's like honestly my favorite <laughs> thing that we do, and that's how I knew the Paseo before as well. And it's a great way to get to know all the different galleries on the street. So, you know, it's open door policy, and everybody's just hanging out. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, for anybody that is looking for a space to show, that's the perfect time to go. You can go in, check out the space, talk to somebody that works there and in a really relaxed environment versus, you know, kind of like the cold call situation, Mm. which I think makes artists a little bit nervous. Definitely. Yeah. What does cultivating community through creativity look like to you? Hmm. I think cultivating community is kind of on the same line of what we've talked about with providing space and time and funding Mm -hmm. and that opens up a lot of time for people to spend together it allows people to share their art and not be limited i think that a thing i've been thinking about a lot is the nurturing of the artist and how the arts bring people together and Maybe it's through an event, maybe it's through a public art piece, but I think that one of the strengths that artists have is creating something really interesting and fun to experience. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to make sure that we nurture that. Even today, I feel like that same artist stereotype exists and I hear about it on a daily basis and I think that it just needs to go because I think that's creating a barrier for people Mm -hmm. to accept artists with open arms and ask them to share their story or share their work. And so creating space for people to come in without judgment and to give them the opportunity to grow is, is vital. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. Who are three local creatives that inspire you? So I really had to think about this one um, because I have a very close relationship with a certain co-host in here. (laughs) Um, And so I'm just going to, that's like my unofficial 
number like zero (laughs) of three. That's great. (laughs) Just because I, I think that we've been through a lot of changes together and a lot of growth. And so that's like a driving force in, in my art life. Um, so thank you, Caitlin. Um, officially on the list, I kind of was thinking about this cause I'm like, people really inspire me in our group. Like there are so many people like Caitlin and Virginia that really motivate the community. But then there's also certain artists that I'm really drawn to their work and their work inspires me <laughs> and I can relate to it. And I think some of these Caitlin might be surprised at. <laughs> I'm, I'm so curious. Um, so the first one is actually Emma Defani. Mm-hmm. Um, she just, her art is so unique. And I am very intrigued by anything that she makes because, you know, it is along similar lines to my work with its connection to the land and to patterns. And she just approaches it in such an environmentally friendly, conscientious way that it's just fascinating. Um, the way that she thinks about her materials, how she puts them together and what they're made out of. And all of that is just super, super fascinating. And it's so subtle. And I really admire that because I think, you know, my style is a little bit more like in your face and, and mm-hmm. like, this is a mountain and these are rocks exploding. <laughs> it's bold. It's yeah. bold. And then hers are like very soft and, and subdued and mm-hmm. it, it's still really powerful. That's cool. So I admire that. And then I also, you know, I'm, I'm typically drawn to like more minimal color palettes, like maybe three colors. Like gray, black, and beige. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think Josh knows where I'm going with this one. Um, and so with that, um, I love, and Caitlin knows this too, Kathleen Neely's printmaking. Mm-hmm. It is just rock star level. Yep. And so I'm really inspired by how her work is just so strong and clear and clean. And her technique is like on point all the time. And the way that she does have that very limited color palette is just so fascinating to me because she can do something with her composition, her negative space, her mm-hmm. her carving technique, and it's just so powerful. And you don't notice the the limit of the color. Mm-hmm. It actually, I think, pulls more attention to the composition, the way mm-hmm. she does it. So, Yeah, there's just so many things included in there. And so, and that's funny too, because, and I, it's just like, a weird like connection I've had to her since I graduated art school too, because I moved into this duplex when I graduated and then Leonard was like, Oh yeah, I had an artist in here before, like before, mm. before you. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like what did she do? And he's like, Oh yeah. She did like printmaking and like she had her whole studio set up in this room and like made prints at home. And I, she gave me a block one time. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, who was it? And he's like, here, I'll just show you a piece. And it was very obviously Kathleen Neely. That's <laughs> cool. Like, Kathleen, he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm in a good place. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like a legacy. <laughs> like this place has been blessed by the yeah. printmaking gods. Yeah. So now I can live here. <laughs> That's a good sign. <laughs> so she's That's great. She's a really cool one that, you know, I'm a big fan of. And um I'm also with the on the line of color, I also love color, even if it is um something that I'm learning about in my pieces. Like with the painting, I think it comes out more than the printmaking, like mm-hmm. the very unnatural colors and more vibrant things. And so I'm looking to kind of play with that in a few of the prints I have for this show. But a lot of my like curiosity with color um, comes from seeing 
a few like muralists and people that I learned about through Virginia and Virginia herself, but um, one of them, Sarah Sullivan, I think now Sarah Sullivan Sherrod and anything that she makes, I'm like, how did you like combine all of those colors with those little squares? And like, everything is like perfectly composed and balanced and just the vibrancy of everything is just so fascinating. Those are just artists that when I see their work, I'm automatically like in love with it. <laughs> That's great. We'd like to thank Teresa for sharing her time with us. You can also follow along with Teresa on Instagram at Teresa Kate H and check out our website, TeresaHolberg.com. For this information and much more, check out our show notes for this episode at website www.rallyokc.com. A huge thanks goes out to the Paseo Arts Association for the use of their space for recording this podcast. Check them out at www.thepaseo.org. And of course, we want to thank our audience for listening. Please like, subscribe, and share this podcast if you enjoyed it. You can follow Rally on Instagram at rally.up.okc. Cheers!